When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Joe Thornton has scored. So a couple of their more seasoned players chipping in. Spets and Thornton scoring. It's 3-0 for the Maple Leafs late in the second period. They're already up 2-1 in the series. And uh, they're pretty much in control against the Canadians. Predators and Hurricanes 1-1 after 1. That series is tied 2-2. Shots on goal in the first 10-5 in favor of Carolina. Blue Jays still up 3-0 going to the 7th as they're taking on the New York Yankees. Vlad Guerrero Jr., he homered his 16th of the season. NBA playoffs tonight. The Nets all over the Celtics. It's 94-61 in the third. Lakers and Suns coming up in an hour. A couple of late ones today. And the Mavericks are at the Clippers. Dallas leads that series 1-0. Uh, the other series, Phoenix leading LA 1-zip. Reed Wilkins with you tonight. Thanks a lot for tuning in as we uh, look back on the Oilers' season and look ahead to the offseason next year. How are they going to get better? Much of, uh, I've, I mean, I've now done eight seasons of Oilers hockey as the host of the face-off show and overtime open line doing inside sports that whole run as well and for about the first half of that period the discussion was how the the Oilers get out of the basement how can they just not be last or near last every year well that's happened so that's good uh but now the discussion is how can you actually become an elite team when you have two of the most elite players in the league and, uh, you know, what, what was it, 12th overall last year, 11th this year. So, like I said, they're, they're a second-tier team. All right, to, me, there's, to me, there are four tiers of teams in the NHL. The, the top tier are perennial contenders, a short list of teams with very few weaknesses where you look at them every year and say they, they are good enough to stand, win the Stanley Cup. Even if they don't finish in the top five in the standings where you still say, hey, they're on my list of four or five teams that I think are probably going to win the Cup. And then I think there's a second tier teams like the Oilers that are good, that probably have a couple of fairly significant weaknesses. But you say, okay, if everything like really went well, we're talking really went well that all their strengths surfaced for two months and maybe a couple of other guys played out of their minds. Maybe they could, could win it all or make it to the final. And I would put the Oilers in that category. And then I think you have a, a third tier of teams, which are probably your bubble playoff teams. There's some teams that barely squeak in or miss. And then I think there's a fourth tier of teams that, well, suck. <laughs> to, to, to use the common tongue uh, and the Oilers were in that fourth year for quite a while. Like the teams, I mean, this year, Buffalo, New Jersey teams that you knew 15 games into the season, weren't going to make the playoffs. So that that's where I put the Oilers. Look, I'll, I'll say this. It's, it's not where the Oilers are at now. And I, I hope they can at least stay at, at, at this level and eventually go up. It, it, to me, it's harder to now take this step 
than the step of getting out of the basement. And that, I mean, the, the, the shame for the Oilers wasn't just that they were in the basement, was that it took them so long just to become a mediocre team. But anyway, I think now the step from going from a second tier team to an elite team is probably going to be the hardest step because the elite teams are already there are good enough to stay there for a while and they have the experience and and they know how to play in the postseason and have the players to do it. And now the Oilers are competing against all the other second tier teams to try to round out the roster and fix the weaknesses to become an elite team as opposed to just trying to go from tier four to tier three. So that, that's, that's kind of how I look at it. I'm not saying that's the only way to look at it, but that, that's kind of how in my head, how I process it, that I think the Oilers are, are, are a second tier team. I mean, they were solidly in the playoffs this year. After that three and six start, they put together a nice run and there was, then there was never really a doubt that they were going to get in. Um, but how good were they going to do when it came down to crunch time? And unfortunately, they weren't able to do very well. So that's, that's again, that's, that's how I break it down in my head. It's, it's certainly not the only way to look at things. I want to remind you, you can hit the links with 630 Chet and the Ranch Golf and Country Club. Golf course is open, and we want to send you and a friend to golf the championship caliber ranch this summer. You can go to the contest page on 630Chet.com, look for the contest details, and you could win a pair of golf passes to the ranch. Okay, 10 after 7. We're going to call a quick timeout. Mike Fuda coming up. Okay, this next guest won the Stanley Cup a couple of times when he was the assistant general manager of the Los Angeles Kings. He's now an analyst with the NHL on Sportsnet. We welcome to Inside Sports Mike Fuda. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, it's nice to have you on the show. Uh, I enjoy your perspective when I've seen it on television, and I know you've been on with Stauffer a couple of times. So thanks for hopping on the the day after the Oilers see their season come to end and what I'm calling a very surprising sweep. I certainly gave Winnipeg a chance to to win the series, but I, I am surprised it would have gone four straight either way. I'll, I'll start general with you, Mike. How do you sort of process uh, what went down in the series? Uh, it's... It's very, very unpredictable. I mean, I would have thought, you know, the Oilers had kind of seemed to hit their stride. Winnipeg had a rather long, uh, long stretch there where they weren't playing as well as they It seemed like everybody in the North except Toronto really had a long skid. Even the Leafs had a, a skid where they just weren't playing as well. But Edmonton just seemed to be heading in the right direction. Mike Smith was playing well. And uh, I figured that it would be very close. Uh, I felt that uh, if... Winnipeg was to win in any sort of a long series or a short series, we'd be talking a lot more about uh, Connor Hellenbuck um, being the star of the series as he was exceptionally consistent as well. But uh, it was tough. It was tough. Um, and to lose in, the, in such, you know, to, to their credit, they didn't roll. Uh, and it's any way you look at it, it's a sweep. But I mean, triple overtime, they didn't just, uh, you know, they just didn't roll over and die. They they battled hard, but I don't think anybody in the organization is going to be happy with the result. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I actually did think Connor Hellebuck was the MVP of the series. I know we don't we don't pick that, but I, I thought especially in the first two games, and that's not a night knock on Mike Smith at all, who pretty much matched him save for save. But, I, I mean, at one point, Hellebuck's save percentage was up over – 970 so i i do think he was the backbone of a lot of this for winnipeg 
Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, we we made the big, our big play was it's going to be, we're going to be talking about one of the Connors um, at the end of the series. And uh, Alan Buck was clearly the, the, the story of the show. I mean, he's uh, clearly a very confident kid that can can win a series. I think the Leafs or whoever the Habs should take note of that as well. But uh, no, I, I agree with you 100%. And then, of course, the un, the unforgotten or the ever forgotten Connor ends up scoring the winner in the middle of the night. So it was, it was something to watch. But uh, as I said, when you have the kind of individual season that Connor McDavid had and, and Dreisaitl again, it's uh, and the season that nurse had and in fairness, Mike Smith had a great regular season as well. It's just got to be uh, a lot of soul searching going into uh, the first round early exit again. Yeah. Well, and a lot of the discussion now is uh, where do the Oilers go, Mike? And, and I, I, I kind of feel like we're talking about the same sort of things we were during the pause last season. And then after they got eliminated out of the bubble, you, you need another sniping winger. And I think there's still the search for maybe not just a third line center, maybe, maybe just an entire line. I'm just wondering from your perspective and, you know, you've scouted players and helped put teams together. What, what do you see as a priority for Edmonton? Well, I think you've tr- you've got to try and find a way to be able to break the two superstars up and not lose everything, have everything drop off so dramatically. So, yeah, I, I think you need depth. I think Kenny's going to have a little bit of a he's going to have a little bit more salary cap room, I believe, now with with you know with Koskinen off the books. Um, I think you know I just think there needs to be more depth. There needs to be more depth that brings a little bit more to the table. Um, I, again, I don't think Zach Cashin had the type of year that Zach Cashin was hoping to have. Um, I mean, for a big physical guy, you know, you got to get some more. There was there was a little bit more numbers to his game last year. There's just got to be more. There has to be more depth because ideally, it always comes back to okay, we got to put them back together again. And then, if for some reason those two are shut down, then then it's there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing else there. And. Uh, and uh, it's a, I think it's a good problem to have when you have the two best players in the world, but it's not golf. You, you've got to have a team around them to have success. And, um, and I'm sure Kenny's going to address that. And I think, again, you, as much as Mike Smith was quality this year, I think he's really got to look into the, uh, in the Rolodex of goaltenders at what's out there, whether it be Darcy Cumper or somebody out of the Columbus organization. I know there's talk about Purpose Salas or or Elvis there, or even, I mean, who, who knows what how things shuffle with the Leafs here with uh, what happens if Freddie Anderson gets, doesn't get in. I mean, there's going to be some, some pretty quality goaltenders with good track records on the market that are going to have to stabilize the net situation for the Oilers, but you're going to have to find a way to get another, at least another forward in there to complement the two big boys. Um, and whether that's, you know, he's still got to resign Nugent Hopkins, um, which I'm sure he'll, I hope he's able to do. Um, but again, it seems it's the same names over and over again around the around the two superstars that haven't been able to get the job done when it's needed the most. And I feel bad because I actually thought felt Cal Turris was going to be able to fill in in a third line center role a little bit better, and and his season wasn't wasn't up to par as well. Yeah, Mike, how do you look at? Because we talk, we still talk a lot about size, and there are successful small players. The Oilers have one of the smallest in the league, Kyler Yamamoto who just couldn't score. I, I think he competed hard. I, I think you saw that some of the defensemen that have been good against McDavid, maybe just wasn't their size necessarily, but their reach that helped sort of keep him to the outside. 
and poke check pucks like like is hockey ultimately going to be like well look it's it's a big man game you can't be that successful with smaller players just wondering how you, how you look at that because you know the king's teams you were a part of uh you know had some big grinding tough guys along with the skill oh there's i mean it's a great question and i think it's a copycat lead in a sense that i mean we used to grind people down but we had some really talented players as well and uh, our special teams were exceptional and we had arguably the best goaltender in the world and jonathan quick so and we were deep i mean and uh, you could probably say at some time we probably had between 10 and 12 captains in our locker room as well. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, Oiler fans don't like to recall the Jared Stoll, Matt Green trade, but, you know, to have players like that and then to add the Robin Regeers and Kevin and uh, Willie Mitchell, sorry, Mike Richards, Jeff Carter, like Austin Brown was our captain. And I mean, Justin Williams, and, and he was arguably, you know, in the 10th or 11th in our leadership core. Uh, and that was no knock on Dustin. It was just, that's how deep we were leadership wise. And I don't think you can look at the, I don't think Connor's being surrounded by that type of clearly dry has got it. Nurse has it, that type of character player. Um, I mean, I, I, I guess there's going to be expecting more out of Bouchard next year. We, we had Daryl Sutter. So, <laughs> and, and Daryl obviously is my favorite coach in the world, but I think if we had too many little players, she's just kind of like pat him on the head and say, that's pretty cute. Just let's just get him out the door. There. <laughs> it was, it was painful at times. Like we'd bring in Jordan wheel and these, you know, uh, oh, there's another one that again, his name escapes me from the Western hockey league. He led the, he led the WHL in scoring and it was hilarious. It was just almost like we were bringing him into a, to a Canada's wonderland and Daryl would just give him a little pat and say, that's cute. Let's just move him off to the HL. So he didn't have a lot of time, but I think you, you can have, uh, I mean, you can have a smaller player. Like I love what Yakimo, uh, what Kyler brings to the table. Like, and he's an exceptional player, but I don't think you can have, you can get too small in a hurry. And uh, I think, it's not exposed as much in the regular season, but it is exposed in the playoffs when I don't care what anybody says that the rules change and the referees referee a little bit of a different game. And if you've got, don't have enough size and grit, uh, it really shows and you get worn down in a hurry. And I think that's what you see what a team like the Montreal Canadians have tried to address um, because they were m much smaller and, and get pushed around a lot. And so they tried to add some size in the, Anderson and Chirot and, 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 you know, and the group they did, and even Tampa Bay, they were exceptionally skilled. And until for them to go out and win the cup, you know, they went out and got, you know, like Maroon and uh, Kilhorn and Blake Coleman, they got bigger and tougher and Bogosian on the back end. So I think you need a mix. You can have, you can have one or two small players. Like, I mean, you, I guess you could consider Gallagher a small player, but he's an absolute warrior. You could probably say that Braden points a small player, but who wouldn't want him on your team, but, you can't be small and soft. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like how you explain that for sure. And, and, uh, how the, the star players need to be supported, maybe personality wise, uh, as well as, as well as skill wise. Well, like, without jumping, without jumping in, cause I, I just, you see what a team like Toronto did, like this year, they realized they weren't having that playoff success. So what they went out and for 750, and I know there was a lot of Toronto bias because the guys wanted to play there, but for league minimums, they added almost 2000 years of games and experience, you know, between adding uh, Simmons and, uh, and, you know, with Spaza and Thornton. Uh, and, and now all of a sudden Matthews and Marner don't have, they don't feel the weight of the world on their shoulder. They can play because they're surrounded by leaders that have been there, done that. And I think that's something that uh, the Oilers might want to look at too. 
Um, and there's probably because some good ones available for not a lot, like for a more minimum salary. And I, I, I think if I was a older player at the end of my career, what, who wouldn't want to come and take a shot at winning a Stanley Cup with Connor McDavid? You made one other interesting comment I want to touch on. Um, you said no matter what people say, the rules do change in the playoffs. <laughs> Should they change? Should we just accept that that's how it's been and is always going to be? <laughs> I know, I know. When you were in management, you probably wouldn't answer that question, but maybe you can now. <laughs> well, I, I can't. I actually can't because I want to get back into management. Okay. <laughs> so, but you know, it's 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 a great point you make. But it it is frustrating when you see certain things because if a game is refereed a certain way uh, during the regular season, it just that decides who gets in the playoffs, right? So. And I've always said you, you you can have a team that's put together to win in the uh, uh, to win in the regular season, but you have to have a team that's ready to win in the playoffs. And I think the team that's done the best job of addressing that this year, at least in the north in the northern division, is what Toronto's trying to be done because they were very magical in the play in the regular season. And then when it kind of the referees tucked the whistles away a little bit. They really struggled in the postseason, and that's uh, you know that's what they're trying to address right now, as well as what Montreal did. And I think Edmonton's got to go a little further along that way as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point, uh, Mike. Hey, great to have you on the show for the first time. I, I hope we can do this again. I, I really appreciate your, your perspective and uh, and all the best here. And uh, if we do see you in management again down the road, hopefully we can still run you on the show from time to time. Absolutely. Absolute pleasure. Have a great day. Right on. Mike Fuda, former assistant GM with the Los Angeles Kings, helped them win a couple of Stanley Cups, now an analyst with the NHL on sports. I like what he said there. I thought that was pretty level-headed and uh, insightful about the Oilers roster. Seeing Sportsnet stats posting this, Jason Spetz and Joe Thornton, first 37- and 41-year-olds to score in the same playoff game since the Red Wings' Brett Hall and Igor Larionov in Game 4 of the 0-2 Stanley Cup Final. Oscar Clefbaum's future in doubt here. I just want to mention something else here that uh, that I see being uh, posted on social media online for the last uh, half hour or so. Apparently, Ethan Bear's girlfriend has shared a post that uh, Ethan has received racist messages on his social media and uh, his girlfriend writing to hide behind a screen is cowardly, but to use stereotypes against him as an Indigenous person is dehumanizing and awful. Uh, Ethan has broken countless barriers as an Indigenous man to make it to the NHL. He is human. We understand there is criticism, but there is no room for racism. And uh, she's also added that Ethan appreciates the love and support he's receiving from everybody else. Here's the thing. I, I mentioned this Um but, but but I'm preaching to the choir. Every everybody listening knows that that's that that's wrong. I, I mean, it's it's sad that that happens. I, I it's hard to understand the mindset of of people who would do that. And I would guess it is a vast vast minority of uh, of angry people doing ignorant things. Your hockey team lost a game. You want to talk about hockey plays? 
we can do that. Ethan Bear made a mistake in the game. You know who else made a mistake in the game? All other 39 players who participated. Unfortunately, Ethan's wound up in the Oilers' net. Okay, it happens. You can you can talk hockey, taking it to anywhere else is obviously uncalled for. But again, everybody listening knows that, and, and I do think this is a quite frankly, a sad minority of, of, of people. And I, I know Ethan Bear is going to be supported by uh, by the vast majority of Oilers fans and people in the hockey world for sure. Early in the third period, Toronto leads Montreal 3-0. The Predators have gone ahead of the Hurricanes 2-1 with about eight minutes left in the second period. That series is tied 2-2. Blue Jays up 5-1 on the Yankees. That's now in the bottom of the seventh. Our CertainTeed hotline, CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials, 780-496-0063, has Mike on hold. Mike, thanks for calling in. Go ahead. Hello. Uh, how's it going? Good. Uh, what would you think about signing Barry? Like, you give him four years, but a no-trade clause. Like, he didn't have the no-trade clause. Sorry, <laughs> sign him with a no-trade clause or without one? Without one, so that we could get rid of them in two years if we had to. Well, I think if Barry sensed that might be the plan, I don't know if he'd sign the deal. I, I, here's what I think, Mike. I think Tyson Barry's going to look around. I, I think he's going to look around and he's going to try to get a five- or six-year deal and more money than he got this season. I, I do not think the Oilers will sign him before free agency. I think he will become a free agent. And then he'll take his pick and maybe he'll pick the Oilers, but I do not think he will get an extension. I think he will go to free agency. Does that make sense? Mike's gone. I probably didn't make sense. I rarely do. But yeah, I think, uh, I, I think from what Tyson Berry, his tone today, I mean, I'm not saying it was a, by tone, I don't mean negativity. I mean, it was a, it was a normal, type of interview he was positive about the season I mean obviously not happy they lost in the playoffs but from what he was saying it sounded like he's going to test free agency and look for a longer term deal so I think if the Oilers were to make him offers right now he would say sorry I'm gonna July 28th or whatever it is I'm gonna wait to July 28th and see what else is out there and if the Oilers offer is the best one I'll come back to it otherwise he's gonna go I, I think that's how it'll play out with Tyson Berry. 780-496-0063. We want you to hit the links with 630 Chet and the Ranch Golf and Country Club. You and a friend can golf the ranch this summer. You go to the contest page on 630Chet.com, enter. You can win a pair of golf passes to the ranch. I got to get out golfing. I have not golfed yet. Going to have a little more time. Won't be going to others' practices in the morning. Speaking of players who are going to be unrestricted free agents, you heard from Adam Larson and uh, the Nuge earlier. Here's goaltender Mike Smith. Too soon, to Too fresh, though. I think it's... Uh... My main focus right now is getting back and, and seeing my, my crew. And uh, obviously, I, you know, I love playing hockey. I'm, I'm very fortunate and to be in this position and to be able to compete at a high level uh, still at my age. And I loved every second of it. But uh, now is not a time to make any rash decisions. Obviously, there's a lot of um, emotion that goes into the whole season. And, you know, losing out in the playoffs in the first round is leaves a bitter taste in your mouth so we'll regroup here and and obviously uh make some decisions down the road 
Yeah, Mike Smith spent the season away from his wife and his four kids. So, hey, hey that's got to be hard on a guy. He uh, was very dedicated for this year. Not that he hasn't been dedicated other years, but he's in great shape. You've heard Dave Tippett talk about that, what a great athlete he is. We had Adam Francilia on the show a couple of months ago who worked with Mike Smith in Kelowna in September and October and uh, did some work with him on his uh, you know, conditioning and his goaltending uh his approach to goaltending and maybe getting some of the bad habits out of his game and it, it, it clearly paid off so but yeah mike smith isn't going to come out and today <laughs> i wasn't surprised for him to kind of deflect a little bit he's going to get back to being a dad for a while and then assess what's next in his career we also have marcel on the line hi marcel thanks for calling in hey how are you doing good i uh, just wondering uh are uh, ryan mcleod and uh Evan Bouchard going to go down to Bakersfield for the final down there? Uh, not that I've heard. No, and that series starts t- tomorrow. Is it tomorrow already? I think it starts tomorrow. I got an email. Hang on. I've not heard anything about them going down. Yeah, okay, thanks. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, they play tomorrow already. It's a best of three. It's tomorrow. And then the rest of the schedule depends on how the Golden Knights do against uh, Minnesota. But it's going to go quick. It's either it's either Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, or Wednesday, Friday, or Saturday. So game two depends on uh, what happens between the uh, Vegas Golden Knights and the Minnesota Wild. Okay, so one, I, one of the things that comes up is, well, are McDavid and Dreisaitl, like, are they mad because the team around them isn't good enough? Or are they, are they going to get frustrated? I mean, Rob and I get calls about that all the time. I, I, don't, I don't totally understand that notion that, that the good players uh, feel, like, entitled to have good teams around them, so they're just going to quit and ask for a trade. Uh I, I, I kind of don't get that. I mean, Rob and I went back and forth with a guy after game three where it's like, well, what, like, what are you basing that on? Like, how often has that happened in NHL history? It, it hasn't happened that often. I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but I'm just saying I hear nothing about that. A couple of years ago after the season when Hitch took over and McDavid had a, so some pretty pointed comments late in that regular season, you know, everybody was, well, not everybody, but people were saying, well, he's going to leave, he's going to leave. Well, he didn't leave. He didn't want to leave. So, I mean, I guess you could get up every morning and, and say, well, uh, uh, you know, today's the day I'm, uh, I'm going to, someone's going to get mad at me. Well, eventually someone's going to get mad at you and you'll be right. So I guess if every summer you as a fan want to predict that this is going to be the summer the good players leave, may- maybe some year you'll be right. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I just, I just, I just kind of, like if that's where you go, Okay, well, this you know the guy must want to quit on the team. I I I just don't get that personally. But they they were asked a couple things today, so I'm going to leave the. I edited this audio so you hear the question as well, so you get the full context. Roll that first one, Kellen. No, there is a narrative that's you know usually comes from the outside that if you know the others don't having <laughs> don't start having playoff success, then Connor's going to become unhappy at Edmonton. I'm wondering if if you could address where you stand on that, what your patience level is. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's that's not the case uh, at all. Um, you know, we have a we have a great core here. You know, Leon and 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 Nursey, um, Nuge, Lars. I mean, these are guys that uh, you know I've kind of kind of grown up with, and and uh, um, you know we want to see this thing through together, and, and we want to do this thing uh, do this thing right. Um, 
you know, as a as a group. Um, you know, it's special to be able to to play with these guys, and and um, you know, I think uh, you know, it feels like we're 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 light years away, but it, but but we're a lot closer than 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 I think uh, you know it feels today. All right, so that was Rob Dichkowski asking Connor McDavid that question. Mark Spector asked Lee on this. Every time the Oilers lose out, we hear from a lot of people around the hockey world that it's another year of Leon's contract, another year of Connor's contract, and they're both going to get sick of it and they want to get out of here. When you hear that, what do you think? Uh, I don't. I don't care about that. We we know we're on the right track. Um, but with that being said, we we do know that it's it's time for us now. Um, we don't, we don't, we don't have another five years. Like we're, we're the last two years were amazing and they're great. And, and we're, um, we're building something bigger. Um, but you got to take steps and steps and, and next year we're going to look to take another step forward and, um, you know, be, be an even better team. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's expected that that is uh is what they would say the, the here's what i would say if 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 you want to spend your time worrying about Connor mcdavid leaving the edmonton oilers that's up to you i i don't you know i i highly doubt at some point he would ask to be traded when he does unrestricted free agent hey anything's in play that's that's five years away so that's at least 400 regular season games so i i would say to you you can spend that time worrying about the day he's not an oiler or you can enjoy the 400 games you have left it's it's up to you dave campbell's next Oilers GM Ken Holland is expected to answer questions tomorrow, so I'll have the lowdown for you tomorrow night. Don't forget Bob Stoffer has Oilers now noon to 2 every weekday here on 6.30 Chet. We're the voice of the Edmonton Oilers and the E football team, which should get an actual name in the weeks ahead. And the color analyst for the Edmonton football team and the producer of this show is Dave Campbell. Good evening, Dave. Good evening, Reed. It's, a, it's nice it's a to pleasure. talk to you. How are you, how are you doing? Oh, how, 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 you, you stayed up for the entire game, I assume. Oh, heck yeah, I did. You know, and honestly, when Kyle Connor scored, my my two gut reactions were, oh, it's over, and I stayed up for this. But honestly, it was a tremendous hockey game. It reminded me, honestly, of the game three uh, or game four in 1999 when the Dallas Stars swept the Oilers, that one went to triple overtime. That's what that game reminded me of a lot of. Uh, so it was it was great theater for sure, even though it was a crushing disappointment. All right. You got a little bit of news about the Canadian Football League here. What's being said today? All right. Well, in the uh, about mid-afternoon, there was a report from Pro Football Daily, who is uh, – this is an American website – and it really focuses on the NFL. It's a property of NBC Sports. Mike uh, Fiorio uh, wrote the article, and he is uh, the one that runs uh, Pro Football Weekly. It's a really good site. I mean, I, I do watch it, uh, watch the podcasts, and do wa- read their stuff. They, it is good stuff. But they reported the CFL is a go for the August 5th start date, which would include players quarantining 
starting on July 2nd, camps beginning on July 10th. And I go, oh, pretty cool. But I'm like, okay, this seems strange that this is coming from an American uh, website, especially one that has such a, a focus on the NFL. So I, I did send a message to uh, a spokesperson at the CFL. They were quite surprised by this and basically said, uh, we have heard nothing of the sort. Then I talked to an agent uh, who, was, uh, who was someone I've uh, known and trust and that, that lives in Edmonton and says, we have heard nothing at this point. The dates that are being quoted in the article are the dates that we have heard a lot, especially the start of the season. Uh, those are accurate. The quarantine appears to be accurate, so around July 2nd. And Brock Sunderland, who is the, of course we know, he's the GM of the Edmonton football team, mentioned that July 10th to the 31st are kind of, it's not the actual dates or not set in stone, but that's the rough, you know, time period for a training camp. And we don't know if there would be a regular or a preseason game. So the report is false as far as it's a done deal, but the dates are definitely uh I think very factual and at this point they still need approvals from all levels of uh, government and health authorities and they also need a new CBA uh, signed, sealed and delivered as, as well. So things are looking promising but I think this report was erroneous and it's still up on their site which is funny. Uh, they haven't taken it down yet so they're standing by it which is funny because it's been refuted in, by so many uh, people and on so many levels within the league. So uh, promising still, I, I think August 5th is becoming more realistic as, you know, every day passes, but to this point, it's not a done deal yet. What are you hearing about how the CFL schedule would look, assuming that that is the, the start date or maybe otherwise? Yeah. So it is, uh, we are led to believe that the Ontario teams, any draft of a CFL schedule does not include Ontario teams starting their seasons out east uh, in their own province. They would be starting west. Uh, so that doesn't include the Montreal Alouettes, I believe. I think there's a strong possibility they will be able to play home games right when the season starts. Uh, the BC Lions is an interesting uh, place to look at as well because like Ontario, they have said September seems more likely when we would allow an outdoor sporting event with fans of a, of a limited number, or maybe, you know, not as limited as we think. I think the lions are in the same boat and Dr. Bonnie Henry, their chief medical officer of health uh, announced that there were some key dates and of restrictions lifting, but it sounds like it's not until September uh, in BC where they would be comfortable with indoor or outdoor sporting events attended by fans. And uh, Rick Lawlisher, the president of the uh, BC lions was encouraged by this and in fact, in a statement, he said he said exactly that, and that they're encouraged that you know this is this is going in the right direction. Now they can can they get fans in earlier? That's the question. Doesn't look like Ontario's uh, the three teams in Ontario are going to be able to do this unless something dramatically shifts. And as far as when the schedule will be released, I know we had Chris Preston on the uh, president and CEO of the Edmonton football team, and he said around two and a half weeks, maybe roughly. He's thinking maybe we have a schedule. Uh, the BC Lions, uh, they're. PR person Matt Baker uh, he uh, led a little nugget today now he all he said was in the coming days we're going to have a schedule I don't know what that means is that tomorrow is that by the end of the week is that next week hopefully it's sooner rather than later it probably will be but uh, we're getting closer to a schedule but expect Ontario teams to definitely start on the road and I'm wondering if the BC Lions are going to have to do that as well for the month of August so would the Ontario teams just when we're in the last couple of minutes or Dave, would they start on the road 
like Toronto at Edmonton or would they play neutral site games like Toronto against Ottawa at Commonwealth Stadium? That is not very clear yet. And obviously, it's going to be uh, a number of games or a few games where they're going to have to be the visiting team for sure. Now, is there a scenario where, let's say, the Red Blacks play the Tiger Cats at Commonwealth? Well, that's that could be on the table. And I think, uh, I believe Chris Presson has already said to the CFL, if this is what you need to do to play games and hold a game in a, in a neutral site, we'll do it. So that's another question, and that's a good point that you raise, or a good question that you raise, Reed. That still has to be figured out. But uh, I do think a, a neutral site scenario might be on the table, and it might only be for one game maybe, just to kind of uh, ease the pressure of the schedule. But, um, yeah, I think that's a possibility. All right. Hey, Dave, thanks for checking in, man. We'll have you on again soon. You betcha. Great job, man. That is Dave Campbell, the producer of this program. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer this evening. Get more on the Oilers on 630chet.com or globalnews.ca. Uh, again, Ken Holland expected to speak tomorrow. Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2. I'll rejoin you inside sports from 6 to 8. Thanks for all your calls tonight. We'll keep going with that, of course. Going to be bringing you some great guests as we move into the summer. My name's Reed. Have a good evening. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.